Hello, my name is LaVan McLean, and the reading of the word this morning is from Daniel 7. In the first year of Belshazzar, king of Babylon, Daniel saw a dream and visions of his head as he lay in his bed. Then he wrote down the dream and told the sum of the matter. Daniel declared, I saw in my vision by night, and behold, the four winds of heaven were stirring up the great sea, and four great beasts came up out of the sea, different from one another. The first was like a lion and had eagle's wings, and then I, as I looked, its wings were plucked off, and it was lifted up from the ground and made to stand on two feet like a man, and the mind of a man was given to it. And behold, another beast, a second one like a bear. It was raised up on one side. It had three ribs in its mouth between its teeth, and it was told, Arise, devour much flesh. After this, I looked, and behold, another like a leopard, with four wings of a bird on its back. And the beast had four heads, and dominion was given to it. After this, I saw in, in the night visions, and behold, a fourth beast, terrifying and dreadful and exceedingly strong. It had great iron teeth. It devoured and broke in pieces and stamped what was left with its feet. It was different from all the beasts that were before it, and it had ten horns. I considered the horns, and behold, there came up among them another horn, a little one, before which three of the first horns were plucked up by the roots. And behold, in this horn were eyes like the eyes of a man, and a mouth speaking great things. As I looked, thrones were placed, and the Ancient of Days took his seat. His clothing was white as snow, and the hair of his head like pure wool. His throne was fiery flames, and its wheels were burning fire. A stream of fire issued and came out before him. A thousand thousand served him, and ten thousand times ten thousand stood before him. The court sat in judgment, and the books were opened. I looked then because of the sound of the great words that the horn was speaking. And as I looked, the beast was killed, and its body destroyed, and giving over to be burned with fire. As for the rest of the beasts, their dominion was taken away, but their lives were prolonged for a season and a time. I saw in the night visions, and behold, with the clouds of heaven, there came one like a son of man, and he came to the Ancient of Days and was presented before him. And to him was given dominion and glory and a kingdom that all peoples, nations, and languages should serve him. His dominion is an everlasting dominion, which shall not pass away, and his kingdom, one that shall not be destroyed. As for me, Daniel, my spirit within me was anxious, and the visions of my head alarmed me. I approached one of those who stood there and asked him the truth concerning all this. So he told me and made known to me the interpretation of the things. These four great beasts are four kings who shall arise out of the earth. But the saints of the Most High shall receive the kingdom and possess the kingdom forever, forever, and ever. 
Then I desired to know the truth about the fourth beast, which was different from all the rest, exceedingly terrifying, with its teeth of iron and claws of bronze, and which devoured and broke in pieces and stamped what was left with its feet. And about the ten horns that were on its head, and the other horn that came up, and before which three of them fell, the horn that had eyes and a mouth that spoke great things, and that seemed greater than its companions. As I looked, this horn made war with the saints and prevailed over them, until the Ancient of Days came, and judgment was given for the saints of the Most High, and the time came when the saints possessed the kingdom. Thus he said, As for the fourth beast, there shall be a fourth kingdom on earth, which shall be different from all the kingdoms, and it shall devour the whole earth, and trample it down, and break it to pieces. As for the ten horns out of the kingdom, ten kings shall arise." And another shall arise after them. He shall be different from the former ones and shall, be put, and shall put down three kings. He shall speak words against the Most High and shall wear out the saints of the Most High and shall think to change the times and the law and they shall be given into his hand for a time, times and a half time. No, times and half a time. But the court shall sit in judgment, and his dominion shall be taken away to be consumed and destroyed to the end. And the kingdom and the dominion and the greatness of the kingdoms under the whole heaven shall be given to the people of the saints of the Most High. His kingdom shall be an everlasting kingdom, and all dominions shall serve and obey him. Here is the end of the matter. As for me, Daniel, my thoughts greatly alarmed me, and my color changed, but I kept the matter in my heart. The word of the God of the Lord. Good morning, Howard Brown, the pastor here at Christ Central Church. And um, I thought we were going to finish up the Daniel sermon series today. I'm not sure whether Pastor Mari, who's preaching next week, is going to do Daniel 9. Have you decided? Yes. I kind of called you out right there. Or you're just going to, you know, use an old sermon and relax this week. Which one? You, okay, just, sorry. Uh, no, I think he's going to do Daniel 9. So this is the next to the last of the, um, in, in the Daniel sermon series. And um, we've already gone through the, what we would describe as the first half of Daniel. And so we're going to dip our toe, if you will, into the second half of the book, which is primarily apocalyptic literature. Apocalyptic means, you know, the dreamy, symbolic writings that point to the end times. The last days of earth and or sort of the present dominant powers as we may know or experience it. All those things coming to an end. These last several chapters of Daniel have shown up in all sorts of prophetic predictions. Of how and when things will end and which countries are represented by the imagery and, and which of these countries are evil and all of the Antichrist kind of like the Omen movie with Damien and all that stuff and War of the Worlds kind of stuff that, that every now and then come out and come out I mean, on our world. As I was studying Daniel, I, I saw all kind of charts and diagrams and designations of some of the imagery here. 
And some of it was very interesting. While others were no better than like really bad sci-fi, right? But there are a couple things that should guide and anchor us as we explore apocalyptic writings. Here in Daniel and Revelation and other books of the Bible where you see him. And let me give you some, some, some advice in following, I mean, reading these things and looking at them. First, only, the Bible tells us that only God the Father knows the day and the hour of the end. Right? So if someone says, I know it, you probably, you're either talking to God or a liar, right? Probably someone who don't know what they're talking about, right? Secondly, and this is so true, if you look at the history and see what people are writing, every age of people who read this stuff thinks that it talks about their world, right? So, you know, in my, when my parents were younger and, and the wars are going on and Vietnam and all these things, and then when my grandparents were, were alive and, you know, the atomic bomb dropped and all these, it was like, man, that's it. These prophecies are coming true, right? Every age thinks they are in the end times. And in some sense, we are. Right? Because the, the, the next big step for our Lord is for the, re, the second return of Christ Jesus. Right? The return of Christ. So we are in the end days, but people look at this stuff and say, it's us. Because things are so bad. They've never been this bad. Well, every age has never been as bad as the age before it. Right? Finally, but most importantly, remember that the God of the Bible is in control. Jesus will return, and God's people and God win. All right? That's what you need to know. But that said, as you may have already figured out, chapter 7 is not sequential uh, to chapter 6. In fact, it, it takes us back somewhere in between chapter 4 and chapter 5, when King Belshazzar is in his first year as king, and Babylon is still in power. And it was back then that Daniel has a dream. And in the dream, four different beasts come out of the sea. Representing as the person who, you know, the person Daniel talks to is standing in his dream tells him. Representing four kings and by extension their four kingdoms that would come into power. And it is most likely, most likely would have been the popular opinion of those that read this at the, at the time. That this book, that the, the time this book was written... And given that the winged lion stood for Nebuchadnezzar in the Babylonian Empire, the hunchback, hungry, bone-sucking bear, right? King Cyrus and Persia, the winged, four-headed leopard, leopard for, for Alexander the Great in the Greek Empire, and then the final boastful ten-horned monster, people would have believed it stood for Caesar and the Roman Empire. And if we, you know, had time to dissect the imagery, we too might be convinced that the characteristics of each beast corresponded to something unique about each of those four kingdoms that I mentioned. And especially since in the fourth kingdom, we see that Christ comes under the Roman Empire. But guess what? Daniel does not directly say that they represent those four kings and four kingdoms. Which tells us something, doesn't it? That when it comes to apocalyptic texts, 
like this one. As much fun and satisfaction you might get from pinpointing, right, who is represented. And I've seen some where, okay, United States, right, is the, the eagle, I mean, the eagle's wings, and Great Britain was the lion, and then the bear is Russia. And I mean, I've seen all kinds of stuff. It's kind of neat, you know, to make it work. But pinpointing this stuff is actually missing and falling short of the main point. The God who gave us the words and message of this chapter does not want us feeling good just because we figured out the puzzle of his picture pages, but that through it, that we will see him as the only source and hope of peace and comfort, healing and justice in a world that's very confusing. Which brings me to the two major points among many in this chapter that I want us to see today. Point one, the world is dominated by worldly beast. The world is dominated by worldly beast. And secondly, the world's champion is the son of man. The world's champion is the son of man. Like any good monster movie, and I like monster movies. We know that, Pastor Brown. Anything evil, horrific, eating people, you seem to like those movies. Okay, but like any good monster movie, right? Whether in the Godzilla series, some of y'all know about that. And I brought up Godzilla because I thought every generation probably in here had Godzilla, right? Um, or, or, or what I grew up with, Ultraman. Y'all remember Ultraman? Right? <laughs> And the, the modern day Ultraman, the Pacific Rim movies, right? With Idris Elba and all of them in it. Y'all remember those? If you haven't, it's part of your discipleship to watch these. I think a new Godzilla movie's coming out. Or Clash of the Titans, if you're into like the Greek stuff, right? The beast in Daniel's dream are just like those creatures. They come from the stirring sea, the Bible says, like, like kaijus, right, in the Pacific Rim movies, living larger than most entities. These creatures come ashore to dominate and terrorize the world, to tear stuff up, right, to step all over us, to, to, to set us back, to destroy and use and put us on the run, to, to oppress us, to make us never be able to live in peace, to enslave us with fear and reaction, to make us always wonder when the next beast is coming and what and when that beast will do and what it'll look like. And so these descriptions of the beast are, like we said, less about who they represent and what country and all that, and more about how they dominate and terrorize our world. So let's look at some of these characteristics. And I'm not going to go through every single verse. I did that work already for y'all, okay? So we just, I'm just going to kind of go through some of the representations of this stuff. These beasts, these kings and kingdoms are often uh, like personality, right? These worldly beasts in our world are, are personality or king-centered like the lion. And like the hunched bear, right? 
they are always looking and primed and seeking to consume and take over and get as much as they can and are never satisfied. Even with one meal in the mouth, right? These kingdoms in our world, these beasts in our world are always looking for more. And like the four-headed leopard, they are quicker than we can counter and they're multifaceted. The beasts in our world are able and willing to use all means necessary, right? Wings and speed and stealth like the leopard to get ahead and stay above and get away and dominate. And like the last creature, the tan-horned, what I think looks like a dragon. As I was looking, man, I was looking at some pictures. Man, there's some crazy stuff out there. I think it's sort of dragon-like. But like the dragon, these beasts in our world are, are, are on a mission to establish what I would describe as multi-level dominance, right? That like, like, the, like the beast, the ten-horned beast that seeks to control the wor whole world. Not just like some monsters in our movies who seem not to know what they're doing, just crushing things. But the ten-horned beast does it with sophistication, right? And if you know anything, if you watch these fantasy movies, and I know some of y'all watch, watch them more than I do, but dragons are super smart, right? What movie did Sean Connery pay, play a dragon? Y'all remember that? They had the British voice with it, and it's the British voice, you know they're smart, right? <laughs> Hello there, right? <laughs> but that's the ten-horned beast. It, 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 they are seeking to build their own society, not just crush ours. This ten-horned beast is seeking to recreate and reshape the world into what it wants, which tells us something about the small horn. This is some real freaky stuff, right? With the horn and all, like I saw a picture of it and they had the ten horns and then the horn and the horn had a mouth and an eye on it. It's just weird. But like the fourth horn, right? Uh, 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 of, the, of the beast that talks. It is more than a beast or machine out of control. Because it speaks, it's prophetic. It is philosophizing. It is speaking with a certain kind of newfound wisdom and manipulation. Remember that the world was created by God by what? His words. That, that we are created and informed and shaped by what? God's communication to us. So this fourth beast is seeking to reshape what it means to be human. And seeking to reshape what it means to live in this world. It is trying to brain and soul wash us and change us into its likeness. And not just be a part of our life, but become our life. And the end goal of the beast, especially the fourth one, is to overtake and counter God's words to us. Right? To, to, to overtake God's wisdom, to overtake God's existence as Lord, in large part by focusing on taking out God's people. And it talked about the iron teeth that crush God's people by, by taking God's people over and, 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 and their effectiveness on the earth. And in doing so, y'all have heard this word before, become anti-Christ and be anti-Christ. It, through institution and personality and teaching and just kidnapping and infiltrating the systems of this world with spiritual and physical might. 
No wonder in verse 19, Daniel calls the fourth beast exceedingly terrifying. And that says this in verse 24, after the dream. As far as the ten horns out of this kingdom, ten kings shall rise. Well, nope, I meant 28. After the dream, he says, here is the end of the matter. And for me, Daniel, my thoughts greatly alarmed me and my color changed. And I kept the matter in my heart. Not only is Daniel afraid, because it shows the end of the world as he's known it, but with that fourth beast, which he wants more information about, do you understand what it's saying here? It's saying that there's going to be a normalizing of evil. Evil is going to be just part of the way we live. What's wrong is now going to be called right. Right? Like, like it, it is the way we live that, that beastly dominance as described here and perfected by the first beast will become and is part of the accepted and expected everyday life in this world. Like in those Godzilla movies and comics, where it's just kind of part of life, where you expect something to come out the sea every now and then. Could you imagine if that was part of the weather report? Today, a creature came out the sea, right? So please go to your shelters or something like that. But Daniel's saying, wait a minute, this fourth beast is, he ain't going back home. Like, we will become its home, right? It is so big, it's going to take over the whole world. And I think what's really scary about these beasts is as you look at the descriptions and the characteristics that we describe, it's just like, and I, I, I had to think, maybe these comic book writers and authors and movie people, they looked at the apocalyptic literature in the Bible and then wrote the movies off of them, right? Because, you, okay, in all these shows, it's always something that the monsters always come from some human mistake, right? Like I was watching, a, what was that, Cloverfield Paradox? And I was like, how did these monsters in the first Cloverfield, I'm breaking, if y'all ain't seen it, sorry. But how did they get here? Because we were trying to harness energy from the space and we opened some space-time continuum and here comes the monster, Right? Or in some other movie, let's get rid of these chemicals, you know, some company. Let's pour these chemicals down in this hole in the bottom of the ocean. Nobody will ever find out. And it, it touches some creature and it comes out. Always some mistake that we've made. So these creatures represent something that is attached to us as human beings, which is really scary because they are a manifestation, a beastly manifestation of our sin and mistakes as human beings coming alive. You might be thinking, this is pretty extreme, Pastor Brown. We would see it coming. 
right? Like a movie. If a hundred foot sea monster or bear or even a tyrannical dictator like a king or a kingdom comes, uh, we, we will see it. And you sound like every other group or people who were in a country or in a place before a, some kind of dictatorship or something rose anyway, right? Like every, no one actually sees it coming. But these beasts, especially the last beast, especially the last one, point to kingdoms within kingdoms too. That's why the last beast, and, and y'all bear with me as we get to this apocalyptic stuff. We'll get to some application in a minute. But these, the, the, the last beast, these horns represent kingdoms within kingdoms. Right? So, so it's gone from just being one kingdom to being a lot of little things going on among one. So in our country, I, I'm about to jump over to the United States now, all right? Just, just hang in there. Don't write no books or nothing like that. It's coming to an end in the country, in our country. Yeah, I think our country might come to an end one day in some way, right? Y'all believe that? You think you're different than the rest of the world powers that ever existed in the, in the history of mankind? You think the United States is going to last forever? Forever, ever? No, it ain't. Right? Not as we know it, it might be different. Right? Why do we think that? Okay, we, we, I'm not, that's not the point. So in our country, I believe we are already swimming in the dominant waters of something like the fourth beast. Where we live in a beastly time and space where, hear me now, corporations and companies and political parties and movements and industries are our everyday beast or kingdoms within the beast in this country. Personality driven, think about it. Hungry, thirsty, consuming, trying to get big as it can and outrun and outthink and get to the first and, and the best and market and then change and shape people with false hopes and lies. The other day I was listening to some commercial, maybe it was, it's either the diet one or it's the testosterone one, right? So you listen to XM radio and you know, hey guys, if you take this, I'm not going to say all the things it says, but you know, if you take this, you, you know, your belly fat will go away and all this, right? And, and then it, it, it says, um, now, if you have extreme results, please reduce the amount you take, right? And you're thinking, dang, this could give me extreme results. I've seen one with the diet pills. If you lose more than 20 pounds in the first month, cut back your dosage. And we're all thinking, man. I could you lose 20 pounds in the first month. We aren't even thinking if it's unhealthy or, that, you know, it's going to kill us, right? It's almost like the, the, the marketing in media of our world, like the fourth beast, is with kind of this boasting mouth, this boasting marketing seeking to shape us into seeing ourselves poorly when we get up and look in the mirror every morning. Just an example. They shape people with false hopes and lies and messages and penalize those who don't, who don't, uh, who, 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 who aren't 
end with the kingdoms and beasts. That, and these kingdoms and beasts thrive, y'all, and are spawned in the stirring seas of our own sin within our capitalistic democracy. And I'm not speaking against capitalism and democracy, just saying it is one of many stirring seas where beastly kingdoms can grow and spawn and then dominate and seek to counter God's best for humanity and this world. Our everyday lives, every day, are dominated by beasts, by the oligarchies of American society, and ways that are seeking and consuming and sneaking into y'all and stalking our hearts and minds and actions. But ultimately, like verse 25 says, that ultimately speak words against the most high. And the terrifying thing is that the beasts have succeeded. They've won. They've crushed. Not primarily in how powerful they have become, but how powerfully we have been changed by it. Think about it. We in our communities and world have been reshaped in so many ways into the image of the beast, Right? Now we're like the lion, right? We are all trying to lead and succeed through arrogance and pride. And we are like the bear. We are never satisfied. We're always hungry, always complaining, always wanting more, always not being enough, not thin enough, not rich enough, not big enough. We're always looking for the next thing to buy or watch on TV, never being full. And like the leopard, we are the same person with split and multiple identities. We have become two and three versions of ourselves to, to market and remake ourselves. We are not true to ourselves and others. Who we are is camouflaged. And many of us are sneaking and sort of slinking through life, trying not to be detected in our hunger for love and acceptance and fear of rejection. We hide and mask our pain and vulnerabilities. And then like the fourth beast, we have in so many ways become self-sufficient without the Lord in our lives. We speak our own truth to ourselves. And then we become company men and women consumed in a part of the American dream machinery. Just making that money and living that dream and becoming, you know, you, you're the golden child, right? You, 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 maybe you're one of those black excellence people. You, you just got to make it. You got to look like you're, you're something. And you, you've just become one of many horns integrated into the matrix. And now like the little horn, many of us, can only blaspheme and not trust and are at odds with what God offers us because we are completely assimilated into this beastly world. And our whole world, not just us alone, have been dominated and taken hostage hollowed out emotionally and spiritually. We all suffer injustices and live in fear every day by the dominance of these kind of beasts. And like Daniel, the thought and experience of that should terrify us. Why aren't we terrified? You know, the answer to that is even more terrifying. Because we're consumed by the beasts. 
for part of it. I, you know, I live my life trying not to imagine how messed up things are. Right? I, I just want to just get along. You know what I'm saying? Just make sure my grass look good. Make sure I'm not falling behind on something on TV y'all watching. Right? Like, what you watching? I'm watching this show. Oh, man, I can't believe I'm not into that. Right? Just doing a little, you know, on Facebook, Instagram, tech messaging, you know, just, just sort of living life with no kind of real uh, sense of purpose, not seeing where I am, not knowing who I am, not really thinking about where God is in my life. That's why Daniel's terrified. We've given up the fight. And the church has become part of it. Don't you, can't you tell churches are part of the beast in so many ways? We do the same things, the same marketing schemes, preach the same kind of sermons that make you feel good, to make you feel you can be the lion of your life, right? <laughs> then we sit up here, we, we, we're camouflaged like the leopard sometimes, religion, right? Just, oh, we're good, we're perfect, we're moral, right? Nah. But Daniel's vision lets us know that there's good news even in this. Because the world, we have a champion in the Son of Man. Look with me at verse 9 through 12. As I looked, thrones were placed. And the Ancient of Days took his seat. His clothing was white as snow. And the hair of his head like pure wool. His throne was fiery flames. Its wheels were burning fire. And a stream of fire issued and came out before him. A thousand, thousands served him. And ten thousands, time ten thousand stood before him. The court sat in judgment and the books were open. I looked then because of the sound of the great words that the horn was speaking. And as I looked, the beast was killed and its body destroyed and given over to be burned with the fire. And as far as the rest of the beast, their dominion was taken away, but their lives were prolonged for a season and a time. So, as you can tell, as I was working on this, my interpretive grid wasn't my commentaries. It was these Godzilla movies. You should try it. No, just kidding. But... By far, my favorite scene in all the Godzilla movies, I don't know if you saw, is when he fought that giant alligator thing. Y'all remember that thing with the big mouth and the big tail? Okay. I'm just going to go on. So, and it was just tearing up the city. And it looked like Godzilla was defeated because there were like three or four other ones. And to one Godzilla and a bunch of mere humans trying to help. And he gets the big one, the mama one, y'all. I think Godzilla might be a female. Isn't Godzilla a she? A she. Okay, thank you. Yes. And so Godzilla opens up the huge mouth, right? And he breathes fire down into the mouth of the creature, right? That, okay, y'all got to see it. And I rewound that thing like five times. Because it's like he's going to lose it. Rawr! And then, okay, his kids are in here today, y'all. 
But I think about this scene in Daniel is similar with the Ancient of Days, who is a picture of God himself as a king on his chariot throne, sitting in perfect, declarative, inactive justice against the great beast, having already taken, basically taken out the other beast. The Ancient of Days consumes this mouthy, arrogant, tyrant of a beast and little horn with fire, right? And, and throws the body of it into the fire, and, and it and all the other beasts eventually die after a time of moaning and groaning and twitching. And this is saying the beast days are judged and limited and numbered until God takes them out and away forever, that they are but operating and moving in the met metaphorical twitch of a defeated foe, having already received the judgment blow by God and are living in the countdown. And all of this has been executed and carried out by the divine and human champion who comes to earth in his name. And we get a glimpse of that champion in verse 13 and 14. Look with me at verse 13 and 14. Daniel says, I saw in the night visions and behold, with the clouds of heaven, there came one like a son of man. And he came to the ancient of days and was presented before him and to him was given dominion and glory and a kingdom that all peoples, nations, and languages should serve him. His dominion is an everlasting dominion which shall not pass away in his kingdom, one that shall not be destroyed. You know what the Son of Man means? The beast roamed the world and the earth, which means the ancient, one, ancient of days, the one on the throne, has come and sent one with the authority and power of the Ancient of Days to earth as a champion against the, these beasts for us, for you and me. See, the Lord is all, has, already has a spiritual victory over the beast. We see that in the Ancient of Days, Days chariot throne imagery. But he now comes as a son of man to acquire and get the victory for us, to share his win with us. The son of man did not just come to beat the beast, to be crowned and best boss for himself. That is not God's plan. But the Son of Man came to save and change and transform and deliver us broken, beastly dominated and beastly acting people with power and ability and eternal dominion that only God has and made and given for and to you and me. I mean, look at verse 26 to the end here. It says, but the court shall sit in judgment and his dominion shall be taken away. And he shall be consumed and destroyed to the end. And the kingdom and the dominion and the greatness of the kingdoms under the whole heaven shall be given to the people of the saints of the Most High. His kingdom shall be ever an everlasting kingdom and all dominion shall serve and obey him. Listen. God didn't come as the son of man. And coming again as a son of man on the clouds to simply defeat an already no competition defeated and judged beast of this world to win a crown for himself. He's already crowned, Lord. The son of man came so you and me could be crowned in the fullness 
of our humanity on earth so that we can share in the forever kingdom of love and power and peace with him forever as his children and as his people. Do you know why we as God's people, recrowned, redeemed, having obtained the kingdom and victory over a fallen world, why we stay here and fight and resist and seek even when we ourselves are terrorized and afraid? Why are we here? Like we talked about in Daniel. These stories in Daniel are not about, hey, look how great Christians and, and believers are going to overcome. These scriptures in Daniel are about, look what God is doing through the lives of people who sometimes suffer, who sometimes get crushed, who sometimes die, who sometimes struggle. That is the story of Daniel. It is a ministry to the world. So why do we seek and resist and fight a power that is so great in these beasts? Not so that we can get a crown. Believers are already crowned in Christ Jesus. So that a world that's been ashamed and dogged and dehumanized by these beasts can receive the crown of Christ's salvation for themselves. So we die. We suffer. To the glory and praise of God. By the work of the Son of Man, right? We will get crushed by these beasts, like our homes. You know, think about these movies, right? You know, what we have may get crushed. Who we are may suffer in this world. But we fight the powers that be, right? We fight. Because Christ has given us the victory. We want to see the world crowned with new dignity. The Son of Man came to seek and save the lost. And those who have been saved and found in and by his grace are empowered and loved to do the same. In and under and before all worldly kingdoms everywhere so that one day, not sure when, Jesus the Son of Man, right, will come back one last time. And those crowned with his salvation and kissed by his affection will reign and rest with him in a place where there will be no more beast. Where there will be no more pain and no more tears and no more suffering and no more oppression and degradation and injustice and terror. But as those crowned in this age with his salvation and grace in the enduring kingdom come to earth with our Lord Jesus, we will be with our brothers and sisters. Working and living and thriving under the banner of God's love. That's why we fight. That's what it means that the beast won't win. You know, the scripture talks about they're going to like thrive a little bit or be alive for a time and a time and a half. People, don't give up. Don't give in yet. It's so easy. Some mornings I wake up and I say, this thing ain't working. Why am I a believer? Look, look how I'm dealing. Look what we're dealing with. Look what we're going through. 
You know what Daniel calls us to do? Not look at your life, but begin to look out at the lives of those who have yet to be crowned with the dignity and love of Christ Jesus. And recognize why the Son of Man came to serve and seek the lost. Let us pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you. That the Son of Man didn't come to just seek a crown of victory for himself. But crowned as king, he crowns us with new dignity through him. I pray, Lord, it's so easy to, to give up. The beast is so, so big, so dominant, so pervasive in our personal lives, some of us, and in our work lives. Please help us to remember that you won when you came and you died on the cross. You defeated the beast that would seek to terrorize our lives. Lord, I pray for families and friendships that are terrorized. Pray for work situations that are terrorized. Lord, I pray for our entertainment that we take in, the media that we participate in, Lord, that consumes us from each other. We can't even talk to one another, Lord. Help us, God. not give in but to fall into you this we ask and pray in jesus name amen